0: Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle. I'm Travis Apple, and I'll be your host of this podcast. After spending my entire career in the sports sales industry, I wanted the opportunity to give back, to give back to those individuals that want to get in this business or for those individuals that are in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. This podcast is presented by General Sports Worldwide and The Clubhouse. GSW is certainly picking up steam in search, recruiting, training, and consulting. Three pieces of advice, all under 24 minutes. Now on to our guests this week. Experience in the business setting of sports is crucial no matter what role you have or what role you want in the future. Our next guest has spent his entire career working his way up in minor league baseball, and i am excited to have Brian DeAngelis, President and General Manager of the Winston-Salem Dash. Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Brian very excited to have you and talk about your career path in minor league baseball and let's start back from the beginning growing up in Pittsburgh you were always involved in sports always around sports went on to attend Michigan State University and then Slippery Rock University in PA and you know we talk about a small world that's where we originally connected about 15 years ago and as you think back to your time then what did you think you want to do as a career path.
1: Yeah, so I think that like every kid, I had no idea what I wanted to do, but what sounded really cool at the time was to be like a sports agent. Um, And so I knew I wanted to be in sports, and then I figured out that I had to go to law school, and I was like, well, that's probably not the right career path for me. So um, I just kind of wanted to get done with school and get into working somewhere and kind of more back into sports. So that's where I ended up you know, picking up a couple internships and starting my career from there.
0: Yeah, so you, know, you talked about a couple of internships. It's always going above and beyond. And early on in the sports business, you were able to secure those internships, first with the Butler Blue Sox as well as Ripken Baseball. And as you think about all the listeners here at 52 Weeks of Hustle, what's your advice to listeners on being able to dominate their internship to really help set themselves apart in this industry?
1: Yeah, I think that um, for me at least, I can tell you that it was, it was 100% relationships. And I always used to hate hearing that um, because I didn't really know what that meant. And here we are sitting today, you already mentioned it, you know, it was 15 years ago when we first connected, and, you know, there wasn't, uh, an everyday conversation in between that time. It was just, you know, have the connections and keep in touch and represent yourself well, even if it's just online. And, um, I think that happened here in our case, that happened with, um, my first internship boss there, Chris Savio, who, Um, has made an amazing career for himself in, in sports as well. And so having those good relationships has really paid dividends for me for over a decade at this point. So that's probably the number one thing. And I mean, listen, we're talking about hustling here. It was, it was hustle. I mean, you got to work and and you got to do the job that they brought you there for because as someone who has um, a lot of employees, the ones I love the most are the ones that I don't have to worry about them doing their job and getting it done and working hard. So um, I know that that set me apart in a lot of cases. And um, I try to continue to do that myself to this day.
0: Yeah, the last thing any leader wants to do is sit there and worry about what who and what they have to babysit. Um, it's it's coming in and dominating. And, you know, with Ripken Baseball, you certainly made a name for yourself as you got your start in the business as an account executive and selling. And that selling is all about relationships. And so thinking back to your selling days, what were some key learnings that you still apply to your day to day?
1: Yeah, so there there I think there's two major ones. So one was that um it, it was really all about about hustling and it was really about making more calls than the person next to me setting more meetings than the person next to me. And then inevitably that turned into more sales than the person next to me and just kind of rinse and repeat, do that over and over. And what happens then is, you know, I'm that old school where it's like make a hundred outbound calls before you leave. Uh, sometimes when we were a little bit slower, we had Saturdays, we came in, we had to do the same thing as well. And then events on Sunday. So it was seven days a week, um, you know, just trying to get better. And I think what happened was even though I had hundred calls and I only set two meetings from those 98, I really learned what to say, what not to say, Um, and it kind of sped me up a lot faster than most people that are sitting there frustrated. Like, why haven't I moved up yet? Uh, why haven't I moved up as fast as you did? I'm like, we're making 30 calls. I mean, it's gonna (laughs) take you three times as long to learn just by doing that. Right. Um, yeah. And then the other one is, you know, it kind of of goes back to relationships again, is that early on, and I'll age myself a little bit here, I guess, but, um, you know, LinkedIn was very new and there really was only Facebook in terms of uh, social media. Um, but I, I, friended all of my accounts. And mm-hmm. what I started to recognize off of that was that they knew me year round because they felt they had the relationship because they would see me post and I'd see them post. And so when we'd go and talk much like you do with your friends, like, oh yeah, I saw you were in, you're out of town this weekend. I saw you or whatever. And so yep. uh, people often thought that was weird where I was just friending somebody and they were like, why would you do that? Like, that's a work relationship. I'm like, no, it's a relationship and that's, what's going to help me renew those people. And, you know, inevitably it led to one year I renewed a hundred percent of my accounts. So mm-hmm um, that makes a big difference. You know, it goes a long way.
0: And that's what we always tell people to your point of utilizing LinkedIn now to your advantage of adding all of your current accounts, adding all your prospects so they can, you know, like, and share some of your information because that does go such a long way. You know, it's, we're not in a transactional business and you know, Brian, as, as you continue to have success in your career, you decide to get into the leadership route and then you transition to the state college spikes in leadership. Why was leadership the right fit for you?
1: Yeah. So I think that uh, at the point where I was, by the time I left Aberdeen, I had kind of figured out, um, not that anybody has it really figured out, but I, I figured out how to sell tickets a little bit. And what I really started to discover was that I had a knack for helping others learn how to do the same thing, kind of finding their own path and doing so, because I was fortunate enough with the leaders that I had that, they kind of let me grow into the ticket salesperson I was instead of fitting this model that they just wanted. And so I found a way that I was able to do that. And I go, I can make a much bigger impact if it's, you know, I can only make so many calls, but if I can, then some team's going to have, reap the benefits of that. So um, for me, that was, I knew I wanted to move up. And listen, I'll be honest, one of the only reasons I got into sales was I knew you could move up uh, much faster. And so I don't think anybody getting into the game Um, sits there in college and goes, I really want to be in ticket sales. I I just don't hear that often. Um, But the people that say, I want to be a GM one day, I want to be a whatever, that's the path. So um, I knew I could do it, and State College was a great fit for me at the time.
0: Well, and after three successful years there, you received the call to go to the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. First as the vice president of ticket sales before transitioning into the senior vice president of sales and overseeing revenue. And you spent over five years with the organization, and you and the team broke nearly every single record How did your team, you and your team have so much success?
1: Yeah, well, obviously the Iron Pigs is a great brand. Uh, It was before me. It's going to continue to be after me. Um, I think all that we did there was we kind of took some of the things that we were already doing in Aberdeen, we were already doing in State College, and then we put them on steroids and we have out a much bigger market, much bigger staff. And we just kept that system and the structure exactly the same. We really didn't change anything from an outbound ticket sales standpoint. But what we had the ability to do there, which was much different from minor league baseball, I recognize not necessarily big four, but you know, we started diving into analytics and what you know e-commerce platforms were available to us and how could we capitalize on those things as a smaller team relative to all sports teams and, you know, kind of take us to the next level that a lot of minor league teams were not doing. And then when you combine that with a promo schedule and, you know, in 2019, everything was kind of clicking and firing. We won the McPhail that year for best overall promotional schedule. Um, it makes it a little bit easier to sell. And so kidding all the departments kind of under the same umbrella in the same direction. Um, you know, one of our mantras early on was tickets over everything. And it meant that, you know, every department here has a role and has an ability to impact us Moving and selling tickets, uh, whether that's your game day experience or how good your food is or how much fun your kids had in general, that's going to help you sell. So we got everybody kind of firing that direction and clicking, and that's what really turned the page for us and, and stepped it up. And not to mention, it's a little easier to sell sponsorships when you have the programming preset. It's a little easier to show them, and instead of just you know empty promises and then deliver on the back end. So
0: yeah, you the, everybody sees the value proposition rate first and foremost. And you know, almost a year ago after all your success there in Lehigh Valley, you take on the opportunity as the president and general manager of the Winston Salem Dash. Why was that the right opportunity for you?
1: I think a lot of reasons. <clears throat> you know, one, you know, my end goal was always to be a GM. You know, since I got into my baseball and started to understand you know how it worked and what it was that was what it was and so when I came down here quite honestly I didn't know anybody about Winston-Salem and then I saw this facility and I saw this market and how much it's growing and the state of North Carolina as a whole is growing but especially this area um, I mean it was just really a perfect fit for for me and you know I have three kids and I got to think about my family and things about where we raised them but um, there was just so much upside and opportunity here where I looked at this club and I go not that they weren't doing a great job but there's the upside and that gap was just something that I wasn't even going to be able to achieve in Lehigh Valley. We were already you know, humming at such a high level that um, it didn't feel like it was something that I had uh, my personal touch on every aspect of the business, which is something that I kind of wanted. Uh, maybe that's an ego speaking a little bit, but I think it's just a little bit different when you can do it your way and, and how you want to see this team grow. And uh, so it was really attractive to be down here and, and in this market. And I got to tell you, the people were a lot friendlier down here too. Something I didn't really realize coming mm-hmm. from from up north, but it was an added benefit for sure. Makes I always joke
0: I always joke being, you know, being further south and that you know, I'm from the Midwest as well. It's like the further south you get, the warmer weather stays around longer, so people are a lot more
1: friendly. <laughs> it's gotta be it. I mean in all- So my golf game is going to be terrible always working in baseball, but certainly doesn't hurt to be able to go out in October and swing a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Well, Brian, as you're building something
0: special with the dash, you know, and within your role, you're overseeing many different departments and certainly different
1: personalities.
0: What's your advice on being able to lead such a variety of verticals and a variety of people?
1: Yeah. So the the approach that I always take is that everybody's different. Everybody's got their own story. Everybody's got their own goals as well. You know, I have somebody, I have two people on my ticket staff, just as an example. One is I'm here to sell as much as I possibly can and move up and out of here as fast as I can. And I have a lot of respect for that because that's pretty much what I did. I can't say anything bad about it. I have another one that, you know, has a young child and, and the most important thing to them is to just be home and spend time with the family and not be in the office quite as much. And so I think it's it's so important to really know all of your staff on that personal individual level. We try, like to treat our staff like a family. I just had my entire staff over to my house on Monday um, and cooked them all dinner. It was nice. There's not a lot of Italian food down here. So I was able <laughs> to just, you know, start pumping out some sauce and everything and kind of nice. show them what we do. And this is what our family is. And um, treating them that way, I think, makes all the difference because now, you know, they each know that I'm I'm aware of their interests. They know what my expectations are, and so it's just so clear from the jump that everything we do moving forward is going to be in the best interest of both of us. So that's difficult, and I know that takes a little more time and effort. It's easier to just say, here's the number we got to get to, here's how many promotions I want to see, here's whatever, and figure it out. Um, and, you know, some teams in the right markets can do that. But I think for us, and, and only having 25 people on our staff certainly makes it a little easier to do as well. But um, that's always been my approach, and i found success with it. Sure, I've gotten burned once or twice doing that. But uh, overall, it's a it's a net massive, massive win for us.
2: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
0: Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Brian DeAngelis, President and General Manager of the Winston-Salem Dash. And Brian, let's get into three hot topics. Question one, we we've talked a lot about your minor league baseball experience. And what is one thing that you feel like minor minor league teams do well that you believe most professional organizations should implement?
1: Um, that's a good one. So I've, I've talked about this before and I often wonder why more people haven't taken on what, what I just call like the minor league model. And I'm talking more about promotions and those types of things when I've seen it done, of course, like, you know, so when I was outside of Philly, I know that they had their, you know, heritage night series, or they did the bobblehead or some things like that, but they didn't really get to granular with what's going on one of the things that make minor league baseball parks so great is that experience that can go on when the game's not happening and i think we're we're unique to that because most sports teams it's like we're going to see the team obviously but in our case that's not always the case our team was okay this year but certainly not good um and so we had to create this entire experience and environment for the whole family for all ages it's a business meeting going on it's a family reunion going on it's a birthday party like how do you create something that makes sense for all of those? And so I think if you look at it that way, and you, even if you're the New York Yankees and you just said like, hey, let's pretend our team is is terrible and we have to entertain everybody uh, equally and and better than anyone else in baseball, what would you do then? And I think if you thought that way, your experience would just be so next level uh, that no one could ever touch you. Not that anybody's going to touch the Yankees, but maybe a bad example, but you, you get what I mean.
0: Yep, exactly. No, Absolutely. You know, as you think about your question, too, many times in the minor leagues, you're wearing multiple different hats from selling, pulling tarp, being the mascot, community events, sponsorship, etc. What's your advice on being able to be efficient, effective every day, no matter
1: what your task is? (laughs) So I had to learn this the hard way. I. I have a pretty good memory and so that got me pretty far for a while and um, as I picked up more responsibilities and particularly when I got into this role I really started leaning on on my calendar and blocking my day I started researching several more uh, ways to make our staffs uh, more efficient so we use a pomodoro method that's um, it's psychology is what it is and how much somebody can focus on one task at one time. And So we ask them to do something for 25 minutes and then take five minutes off to just clear your mind, get away from your desk and just work in those blocks and segments. And so right now, I almost feel I've become Um, you know, the, my calendar is my master at this point, I guess, but if it's not on my calendar, it's probably also not happening. And so, um, that's been effective and efficient for me because when you do that and, you know, you mentioned the word tarp, um, you can have a block, you can have a schedule and the rain's going to come when it comes. That's why I like (laughs) North Carolina, especially is that sometimes it pops up, but, um, no, you can't, but you got to have good people. And, and fortunately here, we have some really good people you can lean on as well, but, um Overall, that's my calendar is my thing, and, and and researching and understanding how your own mind works and how your staff works is going to be incredibly beneficial.
0: And I think that's that's great advice. I think in general, with a calendar, like everybody's got to understand and learn, it's your calendar. Don't let anybody else dictate it. So if you can set your schedule and control your own calendar, you'll have a lot better ways to be efficient. And so, finally, Brian, question three. In addition to working in minor league baseball, you've mentioned it, you know with all of the games and events, you have a wife, three kids, three dogs. What's your advice on balancing that
1: personal and professional life? Uh, Probably a better question for my wife, honestly, to answer, (laughs) but I'll I'll do my best. I think it goes back in my case, at least that I've always tried to make my family a part of my family. So I mentioned that we treat our staff like our family and we have them over to our house. So my kids know who all of our staff is and. And vice versa. And even our game day staff, they go up and my daughter run up and hug a couple of the game day staff here. And this is our first season. So I really try to make sure they're here as often as they can be and invite the staff over as often as I can. And um, that way they feel a part and they know where I am. And my kids are young, right? They're seven, four and two. So they don't get what a job is and what, you know, but they know I'm with these people and who these people are. And so that's made a big difference for us and um, having my wife feel that she's included as well. Cause often you can have that clear divide in any kind of role. And especially when you do the hours we do. So I think that's been a big piece and it's worked for us. Um, I certainly can't speak for, for everybody's family, but that's, that's been a no brainer for us.
0: No, that's awesome. Well, Brian, what a great career, certainly an exciting journey. As you think back, what has been your best memory?
1: Yeah, um, I really want to say probably opening day here with the Dash right now has probably replaced a few other great ones. Uh, And there's been a lot. I mean, one of the benefits of working here is you get to deal with so many different people and you make memories for those people, which is a really cool piece of it. Um, I guess if I'm just answering selfishly. Uh, Opening day here was incredibly special. One, sold out crowd. Two, we did our Night for Vets program. So we had 1500 veterans that came out that hadn't been to a game before, um, that were all supplied by our community partners and um, really did it up as a big thank you to them in this region. And um, just seeing this place packed for the first time as you're uh, sitting here as a GM for the first time is, is really something special. But uh, there's been so many good ones over the time. We had a 100-year-old World War II veteran sing a national anthem, I think, two, three years ago, uh, which was, that was probably one of the moments where everybody in the stadium just kind of stopped and was just like, wow, I mean, he's here. You, you know, you think yeah. about World War II and how long ago it was, and like, he's here now singing the anthem. That's I mean, that's it. such a cool one, too. And um, that, that's, a, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, my first job was at Arby's. I can't tell you I have too many good memories there, but <laughs> baseball, it seems like you get to make them every day. So there's a lot to choose from.
0: Well, I think that's the thing is that's the beauty of working in sports, right? Yes, it's a grind. Yes, it's long hours, nights and weekends, but the the memories last forever. And, you know, there's always something about the opening night or or a unique experience, whether it be the national anthem or an opportunity. And so, Brian, ton of great advice. Certainly hunt, fun to hear about your journey. To end it, I like to put our guests on the hustle hot seats. You ready for this?
1: Uh, I'm here now.
0: <laughs> well, if you had a boat, what would you name it? Uh,
1: sell out. What is a fashion trend that you would love to see come back? Oh, uh, that's the easiest one. And one, I'm biggest, and one guy in the world.
0: Nice. Love it. If you could go to dinner with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be? Uh,
1: it'd be my wife. Nice.
0: To close it out, what are three key takeaways you'd give every listener to be in your shoes one day?
1: Three. Um, Well, I mean, listen, I got to say hustle. I'm here. I'm here now. right? So hustle, definitely. Um, Relationships, too. And have fun because to work these hours and especially if you're new, getting them paid what you're paid. If it's not fun, you're not in the right place. No, I love it. Great, great advice. Right. It's all
0: about hustle. You talked a lot about that today in today's podcast. You talked a lot about relationships, both internally and externally. And, At the end of the day, I always say, you know, we're not selling vacuums. You got to have fun and enjoy doing what you're doing. So Brian, thank you so much. You certainly had a great career. Pleasure talking to you. And I appreciate your time and expertise. Hey, thank you for having me. Always great to see you again. Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle. Please be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week.